All right, welcome back to part two with Chris Siebert. Um, we were talking about sectionals and how jacked up it is. You were talking about travel. Do you? Th- I mean, I know that was always their talk. WIA was well, we travel. We can't travel anywhere. Do I don't think we have we heard that lately that it's still like kind of the talk or no? I know that they want like a geograph, like a balance, like a equal balance of representation of the state at 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 state, um, which. I think that the, that would be an argument that would be diminished with two pods, but I, I don't, you know, it's, it's really hard to separate the state with four oh. sectionals as well. Look so at the final, look at the final four. It was De Pere, exactly. Nina, Arrowhead and Marquette or uh, Kettle Moraine. Yeah. Like, yeah. That doesn't represent the state of Wisconsin in any way, shape or form, you know? Yeah. There's no, uh, it's hard to do. Uh, who, who is it? Uh, the giants tonight or the Niners? the the world wants to know if uh put putting you on the spot well the niners are going to win obviously right the giants are awful 10 and a half oh okay you want the you want yeah i'll take i'll take the i'll i'll give the points yeah niners will win by more than that i don't know i'm not good at gambling by the way we were awful in our in our gambling pods (laughs) (laughs) so that's so that's why we're now the unintentional well, we were always the unintentional. It was just the spread and bread thing was just kind of what we named the, the podcast. That's all. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, okay. So who's looking at this year's. So here's the, here's what I think too, is I think the WIA was like, Hey everyone, look at us. We split Pewaukee and Wisconsin Lutheran. Yeah. We, like we saved the day. Everything's fine. And it's like, no, it still sucks. Like it's still, there's still glaring issues everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, I, the only way to really fix that, it if you really want that perfect, to me is to see the whole state one through whatever. Yeah. Um, I just don't see that argument winning, um, and I don't know why. But uh, you know, just judging on how much movement's been made on other topics, such as shot clock and stuff, um, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Do you? Well, we're, I just want to stick real quick. What's who's the who's the because uh, you said it, you don't think it's hard to predict like what these what teams will do, you know, yeah. which I think I I agree. But then, like, if I look at last year, it was like Oshkosh North and Appleton East were supposed to be really, really good. And they were not that great. And then so that sectional one went from like. A strong one to like, OK, this is like one of the weakest ones. That's why I'm like, why can't you just separate them like in January when you kind of have a feel of what these teams are doing? No, for sure. Um, that definitely does make it easier, but I also, I mean, I, you know, I don't want to really give bulletin board material or I can't think of a great example <laughs> off the top of my head. I, I forget but, that you have, yeah, you got to kind of watch your, your mouth a little bit. But to not go into this year and, and know, oh, Milwaukee Marquette's going to be really good this year. Um, I also want to pull up a sectional you know, pairings, but, you know, we should know when, and it's not, you know, and we should be thinking about that stuff to project. Like yeah. if we're, if we're, if we're worried about state attendance, like yep. to me, like, I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer, but like, like people don't want to attend a, a tournament that they don't think is competitively fair. Right. Um, And I think that, uh, I think we should be thinking about that to try to get not only like get our best players there. I think that sounds like a really bad way of saying it, but to give each of the best teams an, an equal like 
path to the tournament. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, I mean, DePierre was for sure tested last year, and 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 I don't want to call out team again. I just think that I know DePierre went through a different sectional run than Kettle went through. Um, yeah. And Kettle and Kettle was a team that was ready to knock them off um, and and played an awesome game. Like that yeah. was that was fun. Um, and DePier obviously is as good as high, any high school team that's that's gone through in in a long time. Yeah. Um, but you know that was a tired team when it was done. Yeah. It almost got them. I don't care about giving anyone bulletin board material, so I'll say whatever I want. But you have to watch it. You have to watch it a little bit more than I do. And what's at the end of the day, we all if you want bulletin board material, we can all make it. Yeah. So it's who I just don't want to speak incorrectly here without stuff in front of me. That's fine. I want. So do you know what your sectional three looks like or no? Uh, yeah, yeah. For the most part, what's what, what are the strong teams coming back? You, that's not going to be bulletin unless you leave someone out. We I have basically months. all of the uh, like Madison schools, um, and we lost. I think the Brookfields are gone. Yeah, I was so, just you know I looked at this when it first came out, and I'm looking at it again now. I totally forgot that the Brookfield, yeah, Central and East are down to are in four now. So we have all the Madisons and all like the suburban and all the big eights, and then yep. Kettle came in with us. Yep. Um, and Maguanago. Yeah, and then they moved to Arrowhead. It's basically, it's a big eight conference tournament with us, Wanakee, Muskego, Maguanago. Muskego's got a really good team this year. Oh, that was, yeah. So I was, that's kind of what I asked. Like, what are the, I don't know the strong teams coming back. I, I would say, uh, there, I don't know who, will, everyone who lost, like seniors and stuff like that. Verona will be, or um, Wanakee will have a really good team. Sun Prairie West will have a really good team. Muskego will have a really good team. Uh, Middleton has quite a bit coming back. Yeah. Asa Memorial is going to be really good. Um, East is always tough. Kettle Moraine is really good. And yeah, uh, Kettle, yeah. if I were to, I love this question. Me and my buddies always say, who's a team that's way better than anybody, anybody realizes. And I know you got your, uh, Janesville Craig is going to be a really good, a really good high school basketball team this year. Okay. Good to know. I know um, I heard, I heard one of their best players just got hurt um, the other day, but I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be back. Oh, okay. Uh, all right. We will, um, do we want to, do we want to talk about, you mentioned it a little bit, but computer system, I'm assuming you're not completely thrilled with the computer system. Yeah. I, I might be in the minority on this. I hear, I actually laugh at all the coaches that are complaining. I don't want to say I laugh at them, but I think it's funny how many people are so unhappy about the computer system. Um, like I, Jason McConnell, he coaches at Lake Mills. He's a super like analytic guy, like really smart guy. Like, I don't want to say he has the formula, but like he plugged it in and, and like, he is so close on every sectional, like, Oh really? And yeah. And, um, like the common like complaint is, Oh, we, we just want to see the formula. We want to see how it's weighted. Like to me, like we see what is in there. We see, we know you want to, you want to be seated high, beat teams that win a lot of games. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that's not always how you prepare your team to be the best team. Um, you know, last year, I'll tell you, like our our schedule last year was perfectly built for us to be seated really high. But we also went into the first playoff game not prepared to beat that team. So it's changed the way we schedule for sure um, for this upcoming year. To, you know, we're scheduling solely with the goal of winning our conference championship. 
Okay. Um, that was, yeah, I was, I obviously had that on the agenda was how you schedule certain teams, you know, from year to year. Yeah. I would, I would say that it's a hundred percent with the goals and aspirations of being the best team we can be in March, but winning our conference championship. Um, and, you know, last few years, we've loved our, our non-conference schedule. Um, but it also, the hard thing with building non-conferences, it's build out for a couple of years. And then we loved our non-conference schedule. And then we moved from division two to division one. And our non-conference schedule was really built for a division two resume to us. Makes sense. Um, but then to be honest, it, it benefited us in the computer system because we were playing division two teams that were winning a lot of games. Um, and, but then not just physically prepared for what Brookfield East brought to us. Um, so we've added Sussex and Racine case to our non-conference schedule. Um, and our, and our conference is actually realigned, which will be good for us. Um, okay. and kind of getting the Badger conference used to be split East West and it's now split large, small, okay. which, I think will be good for kind of everybody involved. Okay. Um, has there been, t- I don't, I don't know if there has been, I, I don't, I think that there was like the first year, but is there tweaks going on in the computer system again this year or no, or is it? I'm sure, I'm sure there is. Um, the one thing that I don't know if I think head to head wasn't, wasn't valued enough, maybe. Yep. I remember that last year. Yep. Um, but other than that, like we all should know what it is. If, yeah. if, you know, if, you know, look at the eight to nine bullet points and, and, and use some deductive reasonings, you know, if, if Kellett can figure out if his team's good at defense based off looking at Massey ratings, then he can figure out what the formula is based off reading some bullet points. Do you look at Massey rankings at all or no? I do look at Massey ratings. I do, but I don't use it for like to figure out if my team's good at certain things. Um, we you have are, our, you are just stuff. blasting Kellett. <laughs> I love Kellett. I love Kellett. Did I, I don't know. Did I tell you my plan? My plan. I'm gonna have both you guys on at the end, the right before the season starts. Oh, great! That that'll Perfect. be the last podcast before the like before the actual season starts. We're gonna have get, we'll get you both you guys on at the same time. Plenty of bulletin board material for everybody then. Yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. You guys will just feed off each other. Right, hang on a second. No problem. Sorry, kid came home. Dogs barking. Um. Anything else on playoff stuff? I don't think I have anything else. Listen, if there's anything else you wanted to. Um. No, nothing crazy. I know the big thing this year was the uh like six division one teams or whatever. Um yeah, they got yeah, they got voted down. What are your they thoughts? They got voted down. I mean, you can't ask my opinion because you can't ask any coach's opinion because any coach is gonna answer selfishly in this situation. Yeah. But uh, like, yeah, I'd love two extra division one teams going to yeah. state. Um, which is obviously but like to me, like I think the answer is if if you have an open session, um on Thursday, like why, why aren't we using it? Yeah. Uh, which I know that there's bias behind it for me, but like, let's find a way to get that session in. And like that, you cannot tell me that's not drawn at least, you know, more people in yeah. Madison on that Thursday. Yeah. I, I had said it on the podcast after the, the, I think it was either during or after I'm just like, I'm sorry, like division five, you, you get, you get one game, you get a championship game. Like yeah. some of that basketball is so awful. <laughs> It just is. And it's like, we don't need to have four. Why are there four D5 teams there? And then there's four D1 teams there. And the answer is, well, there's just as many D5 teams as there is D1. I don't care. It's awful basketball to watch. There should be one. There should be a championship for D5, a championship for D4. And then four four for D3, four games for D3 or four teams. 
Uh, maybe you go six for D2 and then six for D1 if that's how the numbers work out, whatever. But there should be more D1 than there, D, than there is D5. I uh, I used to love watching some Randolph team plays, but teams play back in the day. But uh, no, uh, I do wish that there was a couple more D1, D1 schools that got the got the chance to go. But yeah, it just it solves a little bit of the problem. But I, yeah, but you said it like yeah. if there's an open session, why are we not? Why are they not using it? You know, that, that, sure. that makes the most sense for sure. I know one of the pushbacks is why there's there's if we're going to go to more D1 schools and while there's less D1 teams than D5 teams or whatever. Right. It's because the basketball is better. I don't. Yeah, fair. But I don't know why we then why why if there should have been. I don't understand what's wrong with the compromise of, okay let's have the same amount of D1 teams as D5 teams or whatever. I'd be fine with that or to get two extra teams, I think would go a long way. Yeah. My point is, is like I just want better basketball. If I want like the majority of games I want to have, I want to watch good basketball and D five and D four rare. I mean, there's the Randolphs, there's teams that are, that'll end up being good. Um, but more often than not, the D five games are just not fun to watch. And they're not, they rarely feature a kid that's playing at the next level. They may score 50. Like the one kid did. I don't, is he playing anywhere? I don't know. Uh, the Kenosha St. Joseph kid. Yeah. Like back. He's so really, like I, I said on my podcast, can you imagine like Pav or Trimble or, or Max yeah. at that school? Like what they would do? I mean, you'd be yeah. having like 80 points a game. It'd be insane. There's there's a lot of like other things that coaches can do at that level too. Like there's all, all sorts of different, you know, you can you can try a lot more things to take those guys guys away too. Like I don't know. It's it's enjoyable to watch every once in a while. <laughs> it's good that it, I think it's I think it's good that it's uh, the the time that it's at though. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other thing they voted on was shot clock. Yeah. You I'm big fan of pro shot clock. Um, you know, I never honestly knew how much I wanted a shot clock or needed a shot clock or thought how much I cared about a shot clock until literally two days into my freshman year. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is basketball freshman year of college. And I'm like, yeah, Oh, yeah. this is, this is enjoyable. This is, this is fun. And, uh, and that's what, like, I love my high school coach, like, but we were holding for one shot under, I'm telling you 90 seconds each quarter, oh. you know, each quarter and, uh, in an eight minute quarter game, we're playing, you know, every game's 40 to 35, but we're killing the last two minutes of each quarter. Um, and that's another reason why I don't want to go quarters and halves is, so much more flow and can play so much more guys, but no, I think the shot clock completely changes the game. Um, you know, and it, it brings, it'll show a lot about coaching on both sides. Um, one of my big gripes is a lot of people say, Oh, everybody will run ball screen or everybody will run this. Okay. Who set if, if no, they won't, first of all. And yeah. if you really want to say that, okay, what kind of ball screen are you setting? Who's setting it? Right. Um, you know, what kind of guy are you bringing into the ball screen? Are you bringing in a big a guard? Where's the ball screen going to be? Are you rolling? Are you flipping it? Are you slipping it? Are you ghosting it? Are you, you know, you got millions and millions of options yeah. on how you want to play late shot clock. And I think it would just show so much more about every team and every coach and every program and make the game more fun for kids. Yeah. And that's what I'd said previous too. is like, I think a lot of these coaches, that don't want it are like terrified that they've actually, you have to coach, like you have to coach a lot more. If it's, if there's a 32nd shot clock, like they're 35, whatever it may be, like there's Definitely. a lot more that goes in, gets involved in it, you know? 
Definitely. I mean, when your kids got, when there's 10 or whatever on the clock, your kids got to have a plan, uh, both offensively and defensively. Like, okay, how are we guarding this? How are we guarding this? If the other team doesn't look like they have a plan, like when can you just run and double? Yeah. When, you know, I mean, there's, there's infinite amount of things that, uh, can be turned, can taught and learned with a shot clock. Do you, do you know a lot of coaches that are against a shot clock? Uh, one of the, I think the best, the best, one of the best coaches in the state, a guy you should have on the podcast named Todd Nesheim, um, is anti shot clock. He's won a state championship. And he's one, you asked about the hardest players to prepare for. Todd Nesheim is, as a coach, I, if you ask any Badger conference coach, nobody likes playing against them. Does different stuff defensively than anybody. Offensively, his team space in ways that like it makes it really hard for you to like impact what they're going to run. Uh, you know, they, they get to run whatever they want to run. They get the ball to where they want to get, but he is an anti-shot clock guy. Where does he coach? Mount Horeb. Okay. Do they, so their offensive possessions, are they long drawn out ones then? Not necessarily. Like they're playing, not necessarily like he changes with his team and, you know, but at the same time, I know he's anti-shot clock. Um, you don't have to put words into his mouth, but do you guys, do you know why, do you want to say why he is? I mean, because I'm assuming you guys have had discussions about it. Like, what is his Honestly, main- it's a good question. Why? <laughs> I, I hate to put him on blast because he's not Kellett. <laughs> no, Nessheim is a guy I can put on blast. But to me, like, he doesn't have great reasoning, but I'm also so biased anytime that we're debating about it. Yeah. Um, but I know he's anti-shot clock and we uh, kind of joke about that. I'm not the- saying this is, I'm not saying this is why, but how old is, how old of a guy is he? Um, I hope you're going to get me in trouble here. Okay. Then I shouldn't have asked. Uh, I would honestly guess he's in his late forties. Okay. So he's not, I mean, I'm, I'm 46. Like I would think to myself, anyone that's over fifties, when you start hitting the guys are like, Nope, we got to, we do not want a shot clock. It's you know, like anyone under 50 is kind of like, we want to see up tempo fast, you know, run and gun stuff like that. The one thing he said to me one time is he thinks that the best, better team will win every time with a shot clock, which I just like, couldn't, couldn't disagree with more. Um, he, he thinks with a shot clock, the best team will win or without he's with a shot clock, the better team will win every time, which I just don't agree with. Um, because there's just, there's a lot of things you could do to make a better team uncomfortable with a shot clock. And if it's, if it's a team that does play fast, I, I I don't think the shot clock impacts teams negative. Like I think you can get comfortable with it no matter what. So then is that, is the point on that is that if he's playing a team that he knows is better than him, he wouldn't have a chance. That's why he doesn't want a shot clock. If that's he's kind of- willing. <laughs> I, I, again, I think he's one of the <laughs> coaches. Have- he, he is a coach that's willing to slow people down though. Um, and he is a coach that's willing to like control tempo. Um, okay. Well, should Kellett did in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I go four corners. I mean, I've done it. I mean, I think one of the best, another one of the best coaches, uh, Steve Hicklin, who learned from Cerrone at Sussex. They have a four corner offense. He's been running for 10 plus years. Lake Mills, Hicklin at Lake Mills gave Pewaukee a really good game a couple of years ago when state was at uh, up in Oshkosh yeah. when they were two going four corners in the entire game. Yeah. Um, you know, and I hate to say that it's hard to guard, but you know, what's hard to guard is spacing. Yeah. Um, and teams that create space within their offense are the hardest ones to guard and hate to say that four corners provides pretty good space, but it, if you're, if you're not ready to like really guard and the other team's got guards that can handle the ball, 
it, there's pretty, there's a lot of space on the floor. Yeah. I, you know, I come, obviously I come from a spot that I'm not coming from a coach's mentality. I'm coaching, I'm, I'm coming from just, what do I want to watch? What do I want to see in the basketball court? And like, totally. I, I remember going to the East West game at Brown County arena. Um, I used to babysit Evan Sweeney played at Appleton West. And I remember that went and watched their, their game. And it was, I think, four to two at the end of the first quarter. And I'm like, why, why did I come to this? Like, why am I watching this garbage? You know? So yeah. I, I come from an entertainment value, not a, I get the coaching. Like it's just not fun to watch most of the time. You know, I don't disagree. Um, I don't disagree, but it, there's definitely some strategy there. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned it a little bit and cause I saw it was picking, I don't know if it was picking up steam and I know it was on the table again, but going back to quarters, do you think that's something that's going to happen or where I didn't, I didn't, I don't know exactly where they're at in that process. I'm worried about that. Um, honestly, I, I would be really, really against it. Um, for high school basketball for like the four extra minutes is one thing. And I don't even want to say this, like this is another thing that, but like as a high school coach, like there's some responsibility to get some kids in the game. Um, we all have, you know, in the, in the FVA, how many kids go to their high those high schools? Like, you can't tell me there's only six kids that deserve to play in a varsity basketball game. But if we go to quarters, I can we can coach through a varsity basketball game playing six, seven guys with yeah. eight minute quarters easily. Yeah. Um, but if you play eighteen minute halves, um, there's some strategic advantage. There's there comes some difficulties in trying to run a short bench. Um, to me, it's it's a good way to get a few extra kids in the game. It's a good way to get four extra minutes of play. It's a good way to increase flow. It's a good way to get an extra timeout. It's a good way to increase strategy. It's a good way to take away that last possession of the hold for one situation, uh, two extra times per game. Um, there's countless advantages of halftime or of, of halves versus quarters. Um, how, how did that get brought up again anyways? So I'm worried about it because, uh, the NFA chess rules are eight, four, eight minute quarters. And okay. for the WIA to have NFA chess or to have voting rights on NFH, NFHS rules, yep. we have to abide by NFHS rules. Okay. When I can't remember, when did it go back? When did it go to halves, anyways, from quarters? It's a great question. Again, um, I would say 2016. I could be wrong. I was going to say it's within the last 10 years, right? Yeah. 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 I, I could be wrong here. 2015, 2016, because it could, it might have happened while I was in college, but I wasn't coaching high school hoops then. Are they? Is it something that's on the table? Not for this year, but for like next year. I think it's off the table now for this year. We're good with halves for at least one for at least another year. Okay. Jeez, that's crazy. Taking away the four minutes is just insane to me. That's that's a large yeah. chunk. It is a large chunk. Um, so what if they went to? What if you went to um, nine minute quarters? Then you don't have NF, NFHS oh, I suppose. Okay. rules. Got so it. the the motivation is the 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 voting rights. Okay. So if they do it, it would be losing four minutes. And I and I and I would say public, I would play one to two less players per game. Yeah. What? Um, this is a good question. I don't have this on the agenda, but just because you brought it up a little, a little bit, what is your normal roster size? Do you have like a strict like I won't go past fifteen or I'll just keep whatever like I, I think that's uh, real interesting. You know, like I my you know my 
you know, Jameson played basketball and they, they had like 18 kids in the team, you know, and lucky, yeah. lucky always kept us all the kids. And it's like, and then there's some coaches, like, I don't go past 15 there's cuts, you know, I'm just, everyone has a different view on that. We definitely have to cut, um, which is hard to do. Um, and the longer you get there, the harder it gets. Cause kids have done everything that they, that they, everything right to deserve to be on that roster. But it also at, at a certain point becomes impossible. Um, there is a number that I'd love to be at. I'd love to be at 15, but I've gone over that number every for last few years since we've gotten good numbers in the program. Right. My my athletic director jokes about our bench looking like the movie 27 Dresses, which I haven't even really seen, but it's like all these uh, bridesmaids lined up over and over and over and over. Um, the WIA rule for – there's a bench personnel rule for coaches plus – team of 22 so i i roster as much i won't go over the number that that makes me take a jersey away from a kid in the playoffs so okay. I, i've gone up to 17 the last few years okay. um it makes it hard for pre for practices and i think it's it's definitely you got to be intentional about trying to create a positive experience for everybody um and definitely got to create more like vr opportunities and some other things throughout the year um it's definitely easier with 15 to 16, but if there's 17 that deserve to be on that roster, we kind of go, we're, we're willing to go up to there. So you have, you have five guys in the coaching staff, five right? coaches. So five. does the, does the roster uh, requirement and roster size change when playoffs hit? Uh, so basically I don't think so. No, WIA. I thought you two, could only dress a certain amount of kids in the playoffs. You can only dress 18. Okay. 18 is the most you can do. But okay. you're also allowed. So if I if I dress an 18th, I would have to sit a coach. Okay. I, don't, I just don't really okay. want to do that. Got it. All right. That meant that's I knew it came into play with with Kimberly like years ago because we had so many coaches and players. So all right. Um, there's no any other rule changes there besides shot clock and then the quarters and halves. I think that was it, wasn't it? And then obviously the playoffs, the number of teams. I uh, think the main ones. So rule change to college basketball this year which I'm hoping uh, trickles down a little bit. What's that? Uh, well, the, the, I'm not a ref guy. I want that. On, I want that first off. Kelly, it's a huge. We're going to talk to refs. We're going to talk about refs at some point here. Oh gosh. Yeah. It's on the agenda. Right. Okay. Well, Kelly, you and Kelly are huge ref guys. What do you mean uh, by huge ref guys? Kelly's Kelly's on the refs. Every me and my, me and my unintentional uh, friends have an over under for how quickly you've, you've actually good work. You cash the over. You uh haven't said flopping yet. We're how well, far? It was late in the agenda. Yeah, yeah, we're far. We're long way in. No flopping mentioned, but uh no, we have the over under on how quickly until we talk about refs and flopping. Uh, but well, it's uh, on the agenda. You should get it. You should have known because it's in later. I although I did say it wasn't yeah, no. in order, you, but I wasn't allowed to play this this round. But uh no, you did well. But um, Kellett, uh I even forgot my kind of train of we're, thought. But... Well, we were talking about, you said there's a college, there was a college uh, rule change. Oh yeah. The, the uh, college rule. Um, my staff joked about, we called 2023 the year of the charge. Um, you, you call it flopping. I just call it every single block charge. 50, 50 went charge last year. I kind of thought. Um, and basically college is changing. I don't want to speak incorrectly on like, and miss, miss, guide the rule but basically if i could wrap it up in 
simplest terms, I was told if last year, you know, everything was 60, 40 charge block, it's now 40, 60, the other way based off of when the offensive player gathers more than the defensive player now. So the refs are being taught to watch, watch the offensive player more than they used to, than the defensive, whether or not the defensive player set. So we're going to see more. So we're going to see more blocks is what you're saying. We're going to see more blocks on 50 fifties that were, uh, that were charges in the past at college. And to me, I hope that has like a natural trickle down effect and just the way the game is officiated. Yeah. Well, maybe if those officials are watching college basketball, then they'll see maybe obviously seeing it, but totally. And, and honestly, there is a natural trickle down effect in, in officiating. I mean, high school coaches and nothing in the rule, like verticality, for example, like that's an NBA concept that high school teams and high school refs are officiating, Um, you know, and, and that's not something that you go into a lot of high school gyms around the state. You're not going to teach, you're not going to find kids working on verticality, but most, a lot, most officials understand that concept from higher levels of basketball. I don't, it's the, I, I know I've had people tell me like, dude, you got to stop with the flopping. You got to stop talking about the flopping. I'm like, I'll stop with the flopping when the flopping stops. I'm going to keep talking about it. If it keeps happening. I, and Kel, it's like, I think didn't Kel say he would just take away charges altogether. Yeah. I'm a band, the charge guy too. Um, that's kind of been a movement lately on, uh, on Twitter. So I believe in offensive fouls. If that makes sense. So like okay. if you're driving and the primary defender guarding you, you takes it in the chest, goes down offensive foul. If I get past you and or past somebody and there's a help defender, like everything about teaching basketball is about preventing the other team from scoring and doing athletic things to, you know, prevent teams from getting shots at the rim. Now I'm at the the opportunity when we have the chance to make the funnest play for everyone to watch, like a contest at the rim, I'm just going to stand in front of you and fall over. That doesn't, that's not how we should be doing things. So I'm team ban the charge. Okay. That's what I hate. That's the flopping stuff that I hate. That's yeah. the stuff that I, that I complain about with Nina and all that stuff. Is I wish we, I wish falling. teams were testing up top for sure, but I, there is a skill to taking charges for sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I just hate it when the kids are just like, there's no contact and they just go down yeah, and they're just tough. trying to manipulate the, the officials. That's what I hate. That's tough. Well, to me, like one, one way that I wish that that was, I wish that flops I wish that a flop was never rewarded with a no call. Like I wish that it was a block. Like right. For example, post right. up, post up, guy drops drops a chair, goes down, but the post player is like under control enough to like get a shot off, but he like kind of lost his balance, but you don't want to call a charge. Like that's a block. Like you like you know, like any any people falling around your feet is a dangerous play. And yep and should be discouraged. Yep. Um, so to me, when you, when you flop incorrectly, like I think you should be called for a foul because you you've impact the offensive player for sure. See, we're on the same page where we completely agree on flopping. I yeah. just, I just do it a little more with more, you know, vulgarity and. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just team. I'm, I don't want to be anti-flop. I want to be team block and anti-charge if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Um, we got about, my other thing on refing is like, and I, 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 again, I love, I am, I want to be known as team ref sometimes bothers me that on the perimeter, like, and this is more of an NBA problem, but like 
you know, you can't touch people on the perimeter, but around the basket, they're playing football with guys. Yeah, right. Yep. And like, and, and rebounding, like, and like, as a coach, it's almost like teaching your physicality based off of where you are on the court, yeah. which is great. How, how physically can you guard the ball? Okay. Different, different based off of where you're at on the court. Yeah. Um, and I think we, the game's gone so guard heavy, partially due to how physically you can guard post players. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Just like watching at the Holy Cross tournament, like just how oh cool it is there. I mean, our first game, there was, we didn't get one call in the entire first half. I mean, and, I, yeah. and the press were like, oh, these young kids will teach them right now how to be men. And it's like, you can call something, but it's yeah. like, it's just out of hand at, at some points. Totally. But at the, at the same time, one of the, the first thing that those high school kids are going to learn when they get yep. to college is like learning how to like, I don't even want to say foul without like play physically without it making look like without making it look like a foul and vice versa driving under control to the point where like that little bump that like, isn't going to be called a foul doesn't bother you. Yeah. Um, whereas in high school, just that last contest is just a little bit different. Um, and the Holy cross, there's no better place to show it to, to, and then, than there it's physical up there. Hard to score around the rim there. It is big time. Um, you, I mean, you kind of took the agenda just talking about rules. Any other like, so because Kel and I just here's one. Here's a question I had on here. Any rules that you see like officials can like consistently get wrong? I mean, I would say block charge. Honestly, um, that's the one that drives me nuts. Um, so more like, something that's less subjective, like because that's kind of subjective. But like, all right, all right, I'll give you a, I'll get you, I'll give you a clear cut. I yep. wish it was written in the rules this way, but it's yep. but it's also block charge related. Ball goes into the post, and you want to take a charge on the guy that's banging into you in the post. If a, if someone flops on that first dribble, the first hit, no charge bothers me more than when a ref gives a guy a charge on the first hit in the post. If if the guy absorbs one bang and and does the exact same thing on the second. Yeah. I'm with I'm with calling that a charge. Like if you if you go one, two, trying to trying to bully a guy, I'm with calling that a charge. But if it's just one, like the, I know you can't write it in the rules, you can't try to run block a guy twice in a row. But that's what it is. Um, you know, some you guys. Say, I was gonna say, couldn't you say, well, you absorbed it once? Why can't you absorb it a second time? <laughs> I mean, at some point, you know, Lauren, like. At some point, it gets impossible to withstand your ground, too. That uh, stuff's always predictable, though. It always happens, right? You'll see one, and then you're like, oh, the next one, the guy's going down. He's going to flop. next one, guy's going down. It's a charge. Yep. Yeah, for and, sure. And it should be. But if it's on the first one, Giannis gets called on it all the time in the post. Um, Yeah. For, I hate first first contact post charges. That's withstand, very withstand one bump. That's very specific. If you, if you withstand one bump and then you take the second one in the sternum, fine. Anywhere other than this, the chest, sternum, block. I'm team block. Do you um I'll just so you know, we got about four minutes left. Do you did you do you have a quick AAU story or no? Uh or not. No big deal if you don't. I mean quick AAU story. Yeah, I can I'll tell uh, it ended with this hero one, whatever. I can tie one into um so I talked about Max and kind of what he said to uh, Connor Asijan. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my favorite memories are just like moments of kids, like 
saying things like you know kind of talking trash to each other but i don't like trash talk i don't i'm not a trash talk fan but when it's done really well i remember it yeah um like max saying oh super cool huh like that i think that was well done um i'll never forget my 17 u year um and again really grateful for the experience of playing with those guys but like i was not a central piece by any means uh we were playing in a really really big tournament um and beat some teams that we had no business beating um and got into the semifinal game where you know Josh Gasser, Kyle Kelm, Chip Rank, Ben Avercamp, all the like good players are uh, on our team and they have Reeves Nelson going to UCLA, Kendall Williams going that was I think Mountain West player of the year north at New Mexico, Elijah Johnson who went to Kansas, Tyler Honeycutt went to UCLA. They were like it was a tough 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 game. Yeah. Uh, you know, game is like Sunday. I don't remember the exact time game starts. Um, we go up like 10 to two, but the problem is all of our best players are on the same flight. Josh Gasser, Kyle Kelm, Chip Rank go, we go up 10 to two and they got to leave the gym to, uh, to catch their flight. And this is in front of, if we win, we're in the championship in the championship. They had, Abdul Gadi was a McDonald's All-American. Avery Bradley was a McDonald's All-American, longtime NBA player. So that was who we would have played in the championship. Um, so we have this, we have this lead or whatever, and these guys have to go get on the plane or whatever and leave. In come me, uh, another guy, Garrett Schwartz, who's like a who married my cousin I mentioned earlier. Um, and then another guy who a lot of listeners of this podcast are going to love this guy, Derek Brock, uh, awesome high school basketball player, um, legend, one of my, one of my good friends, but he, uh, so us three sub in together and Reeves Nelson looks at Ben Avercamp when we three sub in and he's like, what's going on? Cause he saw all our guys like putting on a backpack and like takes one look at kind of me and Garrett and Garrett, like for anybody, he, he was a very good player but he did not pass the uh, proverbial eye test, so yeah. to speak. And Reeves Nelson, who went to UCLA, a really good high school player, looks at Ben Avercamp, looks at us and goes, looks like you should have got on that plane too, or something, <laughs> something like that, uh, proceeds to just blow us out. But the tournament run that we put together had us on a court that, you know, Lou Olson, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, like Bill Self, you know, who's who watching that game. Um, lifetime memory um and uh we'll never forget reeves nelson kind of putting putting garrett and i in our place um reminding us that we had no business being on the court with him oh that's a great story why the hell would you book a flight and that had any kind of conflict yeah you know it's hard you know we didn't think we had we didn't think we were going that far either i don't think well that's a great story to end on all right um i think we got through everything for the most part so um no, yeah, look forward to uh, previewing the season and uh, with with old Kellett and uh, set on all all that beef. Thanks for. I'm happy that uh, we're uh, square away the Wise Road thing. Yeah, for sure. When's your uh, When's your first game? Uh, um, November 28th, Stoughton. They're gonna be really okay. good. All right, so we'll get you and Kellett on mid November, most likely. Cool. Thank right. you so much. Thanks, Chris. Enjoyed it. This has been over and back. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, it was fun.